listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. What a privilege it is to be here at Life Melbourne. This is where the life is. Where I come from is where the victory is, but this is where the life is. It's a real privilege to be with you, as uh, Pastor Craig said. We're great friends of Pastors Paul and Marie Diong. They've been incredible friends to us. They've been a lifeline to us. They've been an incredible blessing to us. And whoever is a friend of Pastor Paul and Marie's is a friend of ours. And so it's a real privilege to be here this morning. I just want to commend your pastors in Craig and Nadia. They are amazing people. In actual fact, in actual fact, in actual fact, I want you to know something. I've been leading a church for 23 years, and I know this. It's not easy. It's not easy. And uh, I know what they're doing is not easy. They've, they've immigrated and they've taken on the call of God and to be here in Melbourne. And I just want to, can we just stand our feet and just honour this incredible couple? Can we just do, not a, hang on, hang on, hang on. Not, not a golf appreciation, but like a grand final AFL day, Adelaide Crows appreciation of your pastors, Craig and Nadi. Come on. You guys are amazing. And we love you. Do you love your pastors? Come on, let's just get a little bit noisy one more time. Come on. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. You're amazing. We love you. And we thank you for what you do. Amen. Amen. Well, it is a privilege to be with you. I was unable to bring my wife and family with me on this occasion. But uh, just so that you know, I am married. I have been married for 25 years. Only 25, not 28. Just 25 years. But we did date for eight years before that. So we've been together for 33 years. How long have you been together? I'm winning. Yes. Pretty competitive back in Adelaide, but uh, so 20, that's good. So we've been together for 33 years. We met when we were 14. We started dating at 14. And uh, we met, not in church. We don't have one of those nice Christian stories. We met, we met at a little thing called roller skating. And some of the young ones are like, what is roller skating? Well, for all the young ones who don't know what roller skating is, I want you to think of the coolest thing to do right now. Whatever it is, the coolest thing for you to do right now, roller skating was cooler than that. That's all I can say about that. So we met at roller skating, dated for eight years, and been married for 25. We have three incredible kids. Our oldest, her name is Jordan, and she's 19, and she did her matriculation last year and did exceptionally well and is doing a gap year in our Victory College and uh, part of the intern. We have nine interns this year, and she's doing incredibly well. And she's dating a young man by the name of Nathaniel. So we're at that stage of life, which is kind of cool. And then I have my one and only son, Mitchell, He's just an amazing kid. His name, Mitchell, means like God. And he's my one and only son, which makes him like Jesus. And he's here, there, and everywhere, which makes him like the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's, just, he's just an incredible kid. I love him dearly. And then we have our third child. We had two for a long time. But then we decided we wanted three, and 
So number three came along and she's now 10 years of age. There's a bit of a gap between two and three. And her name is Bailey and she's just the cutest little thing. She's kind of like 10 going on 30. She's growing up fast, which is just amazing. And I think I have a photo of our family. If you want to take a look at that, look at that. There we go. There's Mitch at the back there with me and then Geordie and Bailey, or we call her BJ. And there's my lovely wife, Kath. So there we go. Three kids, not two. Just saying, no pressure, no pressure whatsoever. But if anyone is contemplating having a third child, I just say it'd be a good decision. That's all I'm saying about that. Amen. Fantastic. Father, I just thank you for this incredible opportunity to get together. We love your word. And I just pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the work of my hands, be holy and acceptable in your sight, that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us, both collectively and individually. And we ask that today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, this is the title of my message. If you like titles for your message, if you take notes, it's simply this, more than before. I know the theme for your church for this year is more, and I thought I would slip straight into the theme of your year with this thought, more than before. This is an amazing church and it's an amazing building, but I'm here to tell every one of you that there is more in store for each and every one of you. If you are married, there's more for your marriage. If you have children, there's more for your children. If you're part of this church, if you call life, your church, there is more for this church. There is more in store for each and every one of you. Do you believe that? Let me hear you shout more. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Maybe you don't have a Bible. Maybe you have an iPhone or you have an iPad or you've bought your iMac. Then turn with me. If you have an Android, I have nothing for you. God only works through eye products. Anyway, Luke chapter 4, reading from verse 38, it simply says this, Jesus left the synagogue and he went to the home of Simon. Now Simon is also known as Peter. He had a name change, Simon and Peter, same person. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. This is an incredible portion of Scripture that often gets read over. I just want to hang here in this thought just for a moment because Peter's mother-in-law or Simon's mother-in-law represents each and every one of us because she was struck down with a sickness. And I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how godly you are. In life, Certain things happen. Some are good and some are not so good. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. Bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Just because you are a Christian, it does not mean that you're immune to bad things happening to you. And we need a theology that can handle when bad things happen to us or things we can't explain or things we can't quite get our head around. That's where faith and trust come in. And we see this woman was knocked down. She was bedridden. She had a high fever. And then Jesus comes along and heals her and she gets up again and she begins to do more than before. Everyone say more. more. 
And I believe just like Peter's mother-in-law, there is more in store for each and every one of us. But in order for us to receive more, it's going to require something from us. If we want more, and that's the promise, then it's going to require something from us. God wants to give us more, but we have to place ourselves in the position to be able to receive more and be the recipients of more and the partakers of more. And so I've got three simple points today that I trust will inspire you and encourage you and fill you with faith to grab a hold of your life and stop making excuses and get on with life and experience more than before, just like Peter's mother-in-law did. Amen. Are you ready to experience more? Well, in order to experience more, it requires, number one, endurance. Everyone say endurance. You see, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed. She was flat on her back. She was unable to perform her normal duties. But the good news is she got up again. And I know that even here in Melbourne, that there are certain things that happen to us that break our heart, that knock the wind out of our sails, that leave us gasping for air, that leave us asking questions of why and how and who. And it's all part of life. Everybody gets knocked down from time to time. Every one of us. We all experience bad things at certain times. Maybe you've experienced or are experiencing a broken relationship right now. Maybe it's a failed marriage that you've experienced. Maybe it was mum and dad separating when you were very young and you couldn't quite comprehend or understand and you live in the pain of that to this day. Maybe you started a business and you thought it was going to be an incredible business, but it only ended up in bankruptcy. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your story is, but I know wherever there are people, there are problems. And wherever there are problems, there is pain. And I'm here to say to each and every one of you today, you are in the best possible place because God has answers to our pain. Amen. The good news is no matter how or how often you've been knocked down, you can get up again. In Philippians chapter 3, which was written by the Apostle Paul, who was an incredible man of God and wrote much of the New Testament, and he was writing this particular letter to the church in Philippi from a prison cell. And he says, Not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what your past consists of. But he had things in his past. But he's encouraging each and every one of us today to do this one thing, and that is to let go of the past and to press on toward our future because that's where more is. More is not in our past. More is in our future. It has been said you don't determine the greatness by your talent or wealth as the world does, but rather by what it takes to discourage you and to make you quit. You're only as great as what it takes to make you quit. 
You know, for me, my family and our church, 2016 was a crazy year to say the least. And I know wherever I say that, I'm in good company. How many found 2016 a little bit of a crazy year? Let me ask this question. How many of you were glad to see the back end of 2016 and happy to see 2017? Was that kind of year? But you know what? It didn't start out like that for me. Because on January 1 of 2016, I did what many pastors and Christians do. I prophesied into our year. I prayed that this would be the best year, the biggest year, the greatest year, the most amazing year of my life. And I was really excited by that prayer. I thought I did a good job, even if I do say so myself. It's kind of one of those days. And then our young people went on Summerfest, which is our summer camp. And on January 22nd of 2016, everything changed for us as a church. Because as our young people were away, having fun, doing what young people do on Summerfest and summer camp, this storm cloud rolled in. And that's unusual for Adelaide. We don't have those thunderstorms and, and we don't have those lightning strikes and we don't have that summer rain like Queensland does. And no sooner had this storm cloud rolled in than it had gone. It was only there for a, moment, a matter of minutes. And in the meantime, there was some thunder and there was some lightning and two of our youth members were struck by lightning. One was my 20-year-old niece. She was struck by lightning and by God's grace, she lives to tell the story. I had the privilege of doing her marriage, her wedding, in May this year. Incredible kindness and goodness of God to us. But as many of you would know, another person was also struck by lightning, and it was our 39-year-old youth pastor by the name of Chris Guglamucci. And I know Danny Guglamucci just spoke recently, and he spoke about that because it was his son, and he was struck by lightning and died instantly. We had one that lives to tell the story, and we have one that died instantly. And I don't know about you, but you've got to have a theology that can handle all of that. And I remember at that time having to grieve the loss of a friend, a staff member, a fellow soldier. But I had to be there for the church and navigate them through that. And I'll be honest with you, 18 months later, we're still doing that to some degree. But I've got to be honest, when that happened, I felt a little bit like Peter's mother-in-law and I got the wind knocked out of my sail. I thought, my goodness me, this, this is not in any book that I've ever read. It certainly wasn't talked about in Bible college. What do you do when somebody's struck by lightning? That, that didn't come up in any of our conversations. And I've got to navigate that as I'm dealing with it. And I've got to be honest with you, I felt like Peter's mother-in-law. I was knocked down. I was bedridden. But by God's grace, everyone say grace. I found myself getting up again. By God's grace. And I remember thinking, you know what? We can move on from this. Good can come from this. And we navigated that initial moment in our life. And then Kath and I decided in the march to go up to Noosa just to give ourselves a little bit of time to breathe, having dealt with the initial situation that we were facing with the loss of Chris. And I thought, you know, when you go to Noosa, nothing bad can happen at Noosa, surely. It's Noosa. And so we were in Noosa, and then Kath finds lumps where there shouldn't be lumps. And so we've got to deal with this whole thing with doctors again. So I find myself in hospital and talking to doctors for the second time, and it's only March. And we've got to do all these tests, 
And by God's grace, we found that those lumps were benign, but there's still a work in progress and they're still checking and we still have to have tests and it's part of our journey for this next season. But I've got to be honest with you, just like Peter's mother-in-law, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm just... And we're leading the church and people are watching us. If you want to know what it is like to lead a church, just look at the fish in the fishbowl. It's like that. Everyone's watching you all the time. And like, my goodness me, got Chris to contend with. And now my wife, but by God's grace, we got up again. Because we can turn that into good. And then in April... My son, my 17-year-old, here, there and everywhere son, he was 16 then, he broke an arm. Which doesn't sound like such a big deal, I know, compared to the other two things. But what you need to know about my son is when he was younger, I said over his life, at least he'll never break an arm. And the reason I was so confident he would never break an arm is because whenever he had an accident as a kid, he always landed on his head. And I remember there many times we had to take him to hospital because he had cuts here, there and everywhere. And I remember comforting his mum by saying, hey, sweetie, at least he'll never break an arm. But in 2016, that God-blessed year, he broke his arm. And here we are now in hospital for the third time in four months of this, what was meant to be an incredible year, the best year, remember? That was April. And then in May, we said, you know what? It's been a crazy year. We're going to go on holiday and we're just going to take the family and we're going to go to the Gold Coast because nothing bad happens on the Gold Coast. (laughs) Unless you're at schoolies, but that's another story. (laughs) So we took our family up to the Gold Coast and I remember saying to Kath, Kath, at the end of this holiday, I'm meant to feel alive and and energised. I feel like an old man. And when I got back from our holiday, I was rushed to hospital They didn't know what was wrong with me initially, but they later found out that I had a blood infection. And I found myself in hospital for three weeks in May. Three weeks. That's a long time, particularly for a guy like me. As you get to know me, you're going to learn some things about me. This is one, that I've got ADD, ADHD. I've got LMNOP. I've got every letter of the alphabet. And for a guy with every letter of the alphabet to be in hospital for not one, two, but three weeks, that's tough. Just lying there, unable to do anything. And it was really bad. The blood infection was so great. And this is what I learnt about the blood. And I I learnt this at school, I remember, but it, it didn't quite seem the same as what I was learning in that moment. That the blood is really important. I knew that, but I didn't realise how important it was. And the blood infection was attacking my body to the point my body was shutting down. I was dying. And I remember on my darkest day, thinking, oh my goodness me. I mean, it was dark. I was on all kinds of drugs. I hated sleeping. I hated being alone, particularly at night time. So much so, and I'm not too proud to admit this. I had three guys stay with me on three different nights because I just hated being alone. And there was one night when our youth pastor, the young man that took over from Chris, who recently married my niece, he was there one night. And I know it was bad because he never slept. He just watched over me the whole night. And I'd nod off and I'd wake up and say, Dan. 
I love you, man. I love you. And he was, he was terrified that I was going to die. And he just thought, there's no way our pastor is going to die on my watch. He can die tomorrow, but not on my watch. And I remember in that dark moment thinking, my goodness me, our youth pastor died in January. I'm going to die in May. Who on earth is going to want to take on the leadership of Victory Church? Because everyone dies. That's what I'm thinking. But God's incredibly gracious God, and by His grace, and with the help of incredible doctors and nurses and hospital staff, I came through that. And they tested and checked every part of my body, because that's another thing about blood. Blood goes everywhere in your body, so everything had to be checked. And I came out with a clean bill of health, except for one area, and that was my heart valve. That had been damaged. And they said, Tony, you need to get your heart valve fixed. And so in July, having spent three weeks in hospital already, I had to go back to hospital for another week and have open heart surgery. And this was me this time last year. This was 2016, that great year, that blessed year, that year that was going to be an incredible year of growth for me. And I'm finding myself having to deal with all of these things. And I want to tell you, church... We can get that off. That's a bit ugly, isn't it? (laughs) In this life, stuff happens. That's the Christian version of the other thing. (laughs) But stuff happens. It it just happens. And that's what Paul was saying when he was writing from prison. And we've got to press on. And not dwell on the past. We've got to press on to our future. See, Paul knew the, uh, he knew the secret of being content. He says, in Christ, we win. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Paul says. And that doesn't mean that we win on every occasion. It, it's talking about how to lose victoriously. And when you know how to lose victoriously, you win on every occasion. And so when we find ourselves winning, we win. And when we find ourselves down and under certain, certain, certain circumstances and situations, we find ourselves winning because we know how to lose victoriously. And if you know how to lose victoriously, you win on every occasion. Are you with me? See, don't be quick to quit. But stay the course. Stay your ground. Don't run. A couple of years ago, we got ourselves a little puppy. The reason we got our little puppy is because our third child wanted a puppy. Oh, don't get me wrong, our first child wanted a puppy too. We said no. Our second child wanted a puppy. We said no. By the time our third child came around, of which our two older kids think she's a favourite, she's not the favourite. We are just worn out by the first two. <laughs> and so we find ourselves getting a puppy, and I wanted to be a good puppy dog owner. And I wanted to teach it the lesson that every puppy dog needs to learn, and that is to stay. And I was told that if you get some doggy chocks and, and you just um, reward it for every time it stays, pretty soon it will stay. And I never forget just getting this little doggy and saying stay and being about a foot away from the dog and, and giving it a doggy chock when it obeyed what I said. Then I get further away and I say stay, and I give it another doggy chop. But by the time I got a metre to a metre and a half away, the dog was just kind of, <laughs> just, just crazy excited because he wanted to be anywhere else but there. 
And I found myself getting so frustrated with this dog, this blessed little dog. And I felt God interrupt me in my frustration. And I felt God say, Tony, you're like that dog. You get frustrated. You want to do this. You want to do that. But I want you to stay. I want you to stay. And so maybe life is tough for you in your marriage. Maybe life is tough for you in your workplace. I know sometimes there's times to move on. But more often than not, we just got to learn to stay. And not give up. Because if you want more than before, you've got to learn to endure. Amen. Winston Churchill, when asked to speak at his old school in 1941, he said this, Never give in, never give in, never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honour and good sense. If you want more than before, number one, you've got to endure. Everyone say endure. Secondly, if you want more than before, it requires energy. Everyone say energy. See, what I love about Peter's mother-in-law, she not only got up, but the Bible tells us she began to serve again. She began to serve again. Only minutes earlier, she couldn't get out of bed, but now here she is up on her feet and serving them again. See, it's not enough for us just to get up again. I know too many people that get up again, but they don't serve again. They get up again, but they don't go to church again. Because of what they face and because of the things in their past, they don't embrace the future and they settle based upon their hurt and their pain. But Peter's mother-in-law teaches us an invaluable lesson that she not only got up, but she began to serve again. The question is, what was the difference in Peter's mother-in-law's life? And the difference was simply Jesus himself. It was that fresh touch from Jesus that gave her not only the healing power that she needed to get out of bed, but it gave her the supernatural grace, the supernatural energy to serve again. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, as I said before, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul was not boasting about his own strength. He was not boasting in his own wisdom. He was boasting in a strength that only comes from God and God alone. It's through him that we have a supernatural access to a supernatural grace for a supernatural work and a supernatural energy. We have access to supernatural power. God wants to add his super to our natural When you're feeling natural, when you're feeling weak, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like giving in, when you don't feel like you can go on anymore, when you feel like you've given all you can and people don't treat you right, you need a supernatural touch from God again. I remember as a young kid growing up, I loved the the comic strips and I loved superheroes. And my favourite superhero was Superman. And I remember being enamoured with this, this man who would run into a phone booth. And he would run into a phone booth in a suit and glasses, but he would come out transformed. He would go in as a mild-mannered Clark Kent, but he would come out as Superman. There was a transformation that took place in that telephone booth. And I believe that's what takes place when we come to church. This church is like a giant telephone booth where we come in having been beaten up, where we come in having been knocked down, where we come in having just had things happen to us which we can't quite explain. But we come into a moment like this and we leave changed because we've been in the presence of Jesus. 
I believe in our devotional times, when we read our Bible, the same thing that happens. We get transformed from the inside out and God adds a super to our natural so that we don't act like everybody else is acting because we're empowered by someone who is able to give us what we can't get in our own strength. Amen. I mentioned when I was in hospital, I almost died. I say almost because I didn't. And if I ain't dead, then I ain't done. And if you ain't dead, you ain't done. You've got a job to do. You've got a purpose to fulfill. And you've got a life to live. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is Paul again. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Isn't that an amazing thought? See, the grace of God is amazing. We sing the, uh, the hymn, Amazing Grace. What makes grace so amazing is that it's so multifaceted. It's not just unmerited favour giving us what we don't deserve. It's much, much more than that. It's also the supernatural ability to do what we can't do in our own strength. And we see on one occasion, Paul pleaded three times for the thorn in his flesh to be removed. We don't quite know what that thorn in the flesh was. Better minds than me can't agree on that. Some say it's physical, others say it's relational. I tend to think it was a relational issue, but I'm not here to argue that point today. What I do know is that whatever it was, God did not remove it. But Paul learned an invaluable lesson and he wrote it in the scriptures for us to learn from today. That it's not the absence of the thorn that we need so much as the presence of His grace. We need the presence of His grace because His grace is an all-sufficient grace that's able to help us do what we can otherwise not do in our own strength. And I thank God for His grace because His grace changes my perspective when it doesn't change my circumstance. I mentioned my son, Mitch. I seem to be picking on him a little bit today. But Mitch is a great kid. But what you need to know about Mitch is when he was 18 weeks old on the ultrasound, 18 weeks, they picked up a problem with his left hand. They said, Mr. and Mrs. Rainbow, your child has no fingers on his left hand and there's a problem with umbilical cord and we strongly suggest that you terminate your child. We went back to the doctors. We said, no, they got mad with us. That's another story. Mitchy was born... And he was born without fingers. The doctors were right. But I knew, like I knew, like I knew, that this little boy's life would be a testimony to God's grace. Either by the way of healing, because God can heal him, or by the way he conducts his life. And to this day, he's 17 years of age, and he has not been healed in the area of his left hand. But the way he conducts his life has been amazing. But as a young man, a young boy growing up, I knew there'd come a day where he would ask me this question. Dad, why was I born like this? Why was I born with no fingers on my hand? And, and sure enough, he came back from kindy one day and asked me that question. And I didn't have an answer for him. I was just dreading that day. I didn't quite know what I would do. But God is incredibly kind. And I said to him, Mitch, I don't know. For all the parents out there, if you don't know, don't pretend like you know. Just be honest. Be real. So I said, I don't know. And in my rawness... And in my honesty, I felt God give me a God drop. And I said, but Mitch, I don't know why you were born with blonde hair. And Mitch, then I got on a roll. I knew God was on this. I said, Mitch, but I don't know why you were born with piercing blue eyes. 
And Mitch, I don't know why you were born so incredibly handsome. I said, Mitch, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of kids out there and there's a lot of ugly ones and you're not one of them. And to this day, that was a great answer for him. He's never asked me about his hand again. He just walks around, just, hi, ugly, how you doing? Sometimes circumstances doesn't change, but God's grace can change your perspective. And Mitchie's perspective was forever changed. I still don't have an answer for why he's got no fingers on his left hand. I still don't have answers for why Chris was struck by lightning while he was on a youth camp serving God in the will of God under the new covenant. When Jonah, under the old covenant, ran away from God and God saved him and rescued him. I don't have answers for that. But grace gives me perspective when I don't have answers. Amen. And number three, we're all but out of time. Number three, more than before requires enthusiasm. Everyone say enthusiasm. See, Peter's mother-in-law not only got up and served, but the Bible says she got up at once. I, I like to see the Scriptures in picture form. And I see this woman with a smile on her face, a glint in her eye, a spring in her step and a plate in her hand serving, saying, what can I do for you? Do you want any more cheese? Not begrudgingly serving, but joyfully, enthusiastically serving God. The word enthusiasm, as many of us would know, is made up of two little Greek words, entheo, which simply means to be in God. Isn't that awesome? To be enthusiastic means to be in God. The Oxford English Dictionary says of this, says this of enthusiasm. It means to rave. I love that. People often say, Tony's just raving on. Yes, I am. I'm raving on this morning because I'm excited about the things of God. I'm enthusiastic about the things of God. It means to go into raptures and it means to go overboard. Remember when Jesus was walking on the water? And Peter shouts out to Jesus, hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus says, come. And what did Peter do? Because he was so enthusiastic, he went overboard because that's what enthusiastic people do. They go overboard. The other 11 just sat in the boat critiquing whether Peter was going to sink. And when he sank, they said, oh, I told you he was going to sink. But here's the deal. I don't know about you, but I've never walked on water. Peter did because he was willing to go overboard because of his enthusiasm. Winston Churchill says this, success in life is often nothing more than going from one failure to the next with undiminished enthusiasm. Isn't that awesome? John Wesley, a great reformer in the 1700s. He was that man who wrote 233 books, preached over 50,000 sermons, raised 11,000 preachers, And through his ministry, one third of England was saved. But in his diary, he writes in May 6th, Sunday, May 6th, I preached at St. Anne's and I was asked not to come back. That night I preached at St. John's and I can't go back there. May 12th, I preached at St. Judas and I'm not allowed to go there again. May 19th, I preached at St. Paul's, but I can't return. That night I preached in the street and I was kicked off. May 26, I preached in a field and a farmer set his bull on me. June 2nd, I preached on the edge of town and I was kicked off the highway. But that night I preached. That night I preached. And I preached in a field and 10,000 people gave their life 
to Christ. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Undiminished enthusiasm. Can you put your Bibles down and just stand with me right now? I started by saying 2016 was a crazy year. I say crazy because as I look back on it, crazy things happened. But I will never say it was a bad year. I will never say 2016 was a bad year. Because on December 31st of 2016, I remember walking and just spending time with God like I do most mornings with tears in my eyes, just so grateful to God for what took place in 2016. The pathway He took me on is not one I would have chosen for myself. But as I thought back to my prayer on January 1, that this would be my greatest year, my best year, my biggest growth year. On December 31st, I started thinking, it's been all that and more. God not only heard my prayer, He did supernaturally, exponentially, more than I ever dreamed, hoped or even imagined. And what I went through, I wouldn't wish on anyone. And what I went through, I don't necessarily want to go through again. But I have thanked God so many times since and thanked Him so many times that He allowed me to go through it because what He showed me about God and what He showed me about me and what He showed me about the church is priceless. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what your 2016 was like. Maybe some of you said good riddance to 2016 only to find 2017 even worse. God forbid. But when it comes to these things, there is no guarantees. With one exception, God Himself, that He'll be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. When I had my heart surgery, I had my surgery because my heart was damaged. The blood infection was so great and damaged my heart so severely that someone other than myself needed to get in there and fix it. Someone who is more skilled than I am, more gifted than I am, and knows what they're doing. It's one thing to know I've got a broken heart, but for me to try and fix it myself, that would not be good. I would not be here today. But I entrusted myself to doctors who were more skilled and more knowledgeable than I to fix my broken heart. I know there are people in this room who have a broken heart, albeit through a relationship, albeit through a business deal gone bad, albeit through the pain that life has thrown at you. And that broken heart is not something you can fix alone. You need the great physician, Jesus Himself, to do a work in your life. That's why He came, because He loves you so much. He sees your broken heart. He's not judging you, nor is He condemning you for your broken heart. He's got His gloves on and He just wants to come and heal you and help you in areas that you can't heal or help yourself. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.